Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Broken Banquet, a podcast about missions. We are your hosts, Will Bailey and Dr. Ashley Goad, and we are so glad that you have joined us for another conversation about the church and missions, about what healthy mission relationships can look like, and as we hear from others who have dedicated their lives in one way or another to mission work. We're so glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Ashley, how are you? I'm good. You know why I'm so good? Why are you so good, Ashley? Because I've seen you recently. You have seen me, and not just me. You're really good because you saw Yolanda also. That is correct. We even went shopping, which is, you know, a little outside my comfort zone, but nonetheless, it was amazing. To me, it's just an example of the depth of your friendship is the fact that you will go shopping with my wife. I will abide with your wife, no matter if it's in for three hours in a, what were we in, Nordstrom Rack or something, and uh, or if it's Barnes & Noble, or if it's sitting at your farm, or if it's sitting by a waterfall. I will abide with your wife, wherever it might be. Thank you. We yeah. both appreciate that. Yeah, but we got to spend some time together in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, Yolanda and I went to visit some churches. There are there are five different churches in Birmingham who all are, are part of the Costa Rica Mission Project's family. And so we decided, you know, instead of us going back and just running around like mad for a couple of weeks trying to see all these people, why don't we get all of these people together in one place and just celebrate together uh, their commitment to us and to this ministry. And it was really good. I think it was good for them to realize, oh, look at all of these neighbors that we have who are also committed to what we're committed to. And, you know, especially right now, there's just, there's so much going on within uh, our particular denomination that is is causing division. And so to be able to just celebrate something that we have in common was so refreshing. And so it was good. Um it was also our last trip of the year back to the States. And I have to say, as much as I enjoy traveling and as much as I enjoy visiting with our partners, it was so nice to get home and not have to immediately wash clothes and repack and try to get, you know, Isabella caught up with homework and all that kind of stuff before I turned around and left again. So I'm I'm really glad that I'm not leaving again anytime soon. So is your next trip Israel? My, our next trip is Israel. Yeah, in okay, February, okay. we're taking a group to the Holy Land, and we'll see you there. I'll see you there. I'll be with my own group. It'll be great. It is going to be great. Um, should we clue people in on what else we were in Birmingham for, or should we just let this be a cliffhanger ooh, for a future podcast? I like cliffhangers. To Con- be continued. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just let's just leave that right there for the time being. Ashley, come back to it at a later date. Okay. Sounds good. Well, Ashley, so our interview today was with Andrew Lee. And Andrew's a friend of, of well, we both know him. He's a friend of both of ours. Uh, I met him for the first time a few years ago on my second trip to Cambodia. And yeah, I was thinking about it. My, the first time I went to Cambodia, I was invited by one of our partner churches to go with them on a mission trip there and jumped at the chance. But it was during a year that uh, I visited Colombia 
and I visited Cambodia and I visited the Holy Land. And it was just, I felt like it was my year of visiting like conflict zones. Um, it was kind of overwhelming. And, and it made me think about the time that I also spent in, in South Africa and just the, the difficult history that they have and how overwhelming it was to see how joyful the people were in the churches in all of those places. Um, you know, I haven't lived through any kind of, of trauma like that you know, on a personal level or, or, you know, sort of collectively, uh, it just hasn't been part of my, my experience in my life. And, and so it was really, I was blown away by, you know, the more I learned about uh, Cambodia before that trip and, and what it was like during the, the Khmer Rouge and, and just how brutal and violent that period was. And, to go into a place, you know, a few decades later and to see people who were survivors of all of that in churches joyfully celebrating Jesus, it's just amazing. And having faith and being part of a faith community, it doesn't erase that trauma, but I think maybe what it does is it locates that trauma within this, this larger narrative that is hopeful and ultimately triumphant. And, and so I'm not trying to speak for the people who that's been their experience, but just based on what I saw, it's just, it filled me up to see how, how passionate they were about worshiping together and about spreading the gospel in these places that have just experienced such deep, deep, deep trauma. And I mean, you've traveled way more around the world than I have. Have you ex been in places that have that kind of history that where you've also sort of picked up on that? Well, what I was going to say is that I was in a car with you after you had come back from, it was either Israel or Cambodia, and it might've been both actually. Um, but we were in the car together and I asked you one question, how was your trip? And you talked for the rest of the drive <laughs> to uh, San Isidro without hardly taking a breath. And that's when I knew that these trips had a profound effect on your life and how you were reshaping your theology, your mission theology. And it was a beautiful thing to watch you process through. Yeah, I think it was probably after the first trip to Cambodia because that was my first mission trip that I got to go on after so many years of being here and kind of being in charge of everything. It was like going on my very first mission trip. And so, yeah, I'm not surprised I didn't shut up for four hours. I'm not saying that in a bad way. It was a beautiful, <laughs> a beautiful experience to see you process everything that you felt, everything that you experienced, everything you um, had been a part of for that week. And, and I loved every second of it. So, mm. well, well, I'm so thankful to Andrew that he was willing to be on uh, the Broken Banquet podcast with us. Uh, it was not easy to get out everyone's schedules uh, coordinated, and and we had some some technical issues as well. But we got through it, and it's I think it's a good interview. I hope people are going to really enjoy. I think they're definitely going to pick up on his deep deep love for Cambodia and for the people there, and for the ministry that he and his family have been called to. Indeed, listeners. We introduce to you, Andrew Lee. 
Hey, Ashley. Hey, Will. How are you? So good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited that we have uh, our friend Andrew Lee joining us for this episode all the way from Phnom Penh, Cambodia. How are you, Andrew? Hey, how are you? <laughs> Greetings from Cambodia. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of this with us. This is We've been so excited and looking forward to this episode for a long time. So thank you. Thank you. Andrew, I was just thinking the first time I ever met you was uh, in my living room. <laughs> yes, I remember. <laughs> the, the beautiful and, and cozy place. <laughs> yes, I still vividly remember uh, the fellowship in your living room. And thank you for sharing your mission stories and your experiences with global missionaries around the world. We learned a lot from you. Thank you. Well, I learned a lot from y'all too. Will, how did how did you and Andrew meet? We have a church that's a, a partner church of ours from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And uh, after a number of years of coming and working with us here on one of their trips in Costa Rica, they said, hey, you know, we have this other missionary that we have a relationship with in Cambodia. And we think you all should meet. So the next time we go to Cambodia, we would like for you to go with us uh, if you're interested. Well, of course I was interested. So I actually got to go on two mission trips to Cambodia with them. And it was amazing. It was the first time after 10 years of working full time in the mission field. It was the first time that I got to just go on a mission trip and not be in charge of anything. I wasn't the missionary. I wasn't the team leader. I got to just go and feel what everybody else feels and remember what that's like. And it was so timely. I needed that. You know, at, my, at that point in my kind of missionary career, I needed to feel those things again and be reminded of those things again. And then also just being exposed to the culture and the history. And it's just, there, it was such an amazing trip. And, and I'm praying that I'll get to go back again uh, one of these days. But so it was on my second of those two trips that I met Andrew and um, we got to spend a little bit of time together and uh, sort of stayed in touch through social media and kept up with some of the people who we were in ministry with while I was there. So, Andrew, would you tell us a little bit and our listeners a little bit about how how did you get to Cambodia? Well, that's that's a little bit of my call story. <laughs> let, let me make it short. Um, when I was in college in Hawaii, I was given a chance to serve Bangladesh people, uh, Bengali, uh, as a short-term missionary, as a computer teacher. So uh, during the stay in the mission field, I experienced a uh, first time in my life, God's grace. You know, God's grace is uh, for all, everyone, including uh, those people living in the back countryside of Bangladesh. And that gave me a heart to continue to serve as a long-term missionary. So after returning home, I thought I would go back to Bangladesh right away. But God had a different plan. Uh, God let me meet my better half here, I mean, there in Hawaii. <laughs> and we decided to go 
uh, to Kentucky for a theological seminary education. And then we came back home, Hawaii, and served the churches for seven years. And then God opened the door to Mission Field. Wow. wow. That's a great story, Andrew. And now how many kids do you have? Two beautiful girls. They oh, used to be very cool. small, but now they are 13 and 11 and taller than Janice, my wife. Oh, wow. Now, were they, where were they born? They were born both in Honolulu, Hawaii. Okay. Okay. I didn't know if they were born after you got to Cambodia or not. That's been a, it's been a fascinating story to hear about children that have been born where they, maybe the missionary is from, or uh-huh. if they've been born after uh, where the missionary is serving. Um, So we've had some interesting conversations about how children are affected by their parents' missionaries' calling. So uh, That's right, right. Uh, Well, uh, when Janice and I decided to come to Cambodia, they were just five-year-old and seven-years-old, and they had no sense about global mission. So they just followed us and, uh, you know, followed our decision. But now they are teenagers and they have their own opinions. I don't think we can do it again. <laughs> Back then, they had no, cho- no choice. We were lucky. Right. Yeah, you know, we've talked about that several times already, that, that we as the missionary parents make these choices that affect not just us, but our children and our extended family and Right. I remember when I met you, you all hadn't been in the country for very long. What was that adjustment, the cultural adjustment for you and for Janice and for the girls like? Um, what was it like for you to go through that as a family? Do you feel like you were prepared before you you made that move or did most of the adjustment happen after you got there? Well, um, when we came uh, to Cambodia, uh, we we were not prepared. I can say, <laughs> well, we we knew nothing about Cambodia. We just uh, found uh, some basic information about Cambodia on a website, and uh, with faith, just came in. Um, and uh, you know, as, as you can expect, needless to say, we had to face a lot of. The challenges here, especially cultural adjustment. You know, first of all, uh, as you can imagine, Will, here in Cambodia, it's uh, it's like 1980s uh, Jackie Chan movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, in Phnom Penh, you can easily see five people on a motorbike, and sometimes it's amazing. Six people sitting on a small motorbike and people are crossing the yellow center line all the time. You need to be careful of street vendors and children running. Things are happening on the road. That's uh, amazing. It took uh, some time, uh, some time for us to adjust our lives in this new life setting. Well, secondly, I would say the indigenous belief system uh, was another cultural difference that we had to face and we had to understand. Uh, for example, during the COVID-19 pandemic for the last two years, 
I, along with my mission teams, local team here, went into villages and uh, small, small communities uh, in the back countryside to provide a package of rice and sanitizers and masks and washable uh, you know, hygiene kits for young women. Uh, whenever we visited those places, we have seen local people placing a scary looking puppet right in front of their house. Uh, we wonder uh, why they do such things every, every house. And they said, uh, it is to chase off evil things, evil things, including coronavirus. And wow. they strongly encouraged us to do the same thing. We Christians to, to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. so I thought, yes, this is the right time for the church to rise up and share with them where the true power comes from. Mm -hmm. uh, it was actually a very good opportunity for us to do, uh, you know, to share God's love in real way and tangible way, giving them a relevant help. And we were given a chance to share God's grace on the Bible uh, with those people. You know, cultural differences here uh, we can face every day. Uh, but we take it as an opportunity and also a uh, learning lesson to do a great, greater thing. Amen. Andrew, I know that, um, well, first of all, you and your family are, are serving within a, a, a denominational structure that, that is already established in Cambodia. You're there with the Methodist Church. You mentioned your the ministry team that you would go into these these communities with during the coronavirus. Can you talk a little bit about the ways that local Christian churches in Cambodia how do they reach out into the community? I ask that because I remember from my experiences there being told that that one of the things that people, average Cambodians, if you ask them about the Christians, one of the things that they'll say is, yeah, they're, they're the ones that they're always helping the poor and they're doing stuff with widows and orphans. And I think, wow, that, that kind of sounds familiar and scriptural. Yeah, <laughs> biblically rooted. So that's good. That's their impression. But can you talk a little bit about what it looks like for the local churches in Cambodia to have a witness in their community? In Cambodia, uh, the Methodist Church in Cambodia, the denomination has been established. So 140 churches nationwide are reaching out to communities here. Two things, they can do a direct evangelism and also indirect evangelism. In Cambodia, they are putting more focus and emphasis on indirect evangelism here. For example, opening the hearts of the local people is very critical. Yeah? They are mostly uh, the Buddhists and they follow the practice of Buddhism for a long time. So it is not easy to open their hearts and lead them towards Christianity and experience God's grace. So what we do is uh, indirect uh, approach, which is, uh, for example, we um, talk to them 
uh, develop relationship, uh, listen to their needs. If they need uh, clean water, for example, then we provide uh, clean water well, motor-generated well or a hand-generated well. And also water filter, if they need, we provide. You know, uh, you know, the community development program is the tool that they approach uh, those people in communities so that they become friends uh, together. And then, uh, you know, Holy Spirit works uh, in the meantime. Uh, and there is a right time that they come naturally to the nearest church and listen to the word of God. They usually sit in the back of the church when they come to church. And, mm-hmm. and slowly they move up the pew one, <laughs> one uh, little by little. And that's what we have seen. And that's uh, how the church has been growing in Cambodia here. Wow. You know, that reminds me of, of what was explained to our group. I think it was on my first trip um, by one of the church leaders who said, you know, we have to be really careful about speaking out directly against Buddhism, which what 90% of the country, I think, is Buddhist. And we have freedom of religion. We can have our churches and we can study the Bible and all that kind of stuff. But we have to be really careful not to speak out directly against Buddhism. And so my, my question was, so what do you do then? What does the church do if you can't tell the truth about who Jesus was? And what they said to me was, well, as a community, we have just decided to live together in such a way that that is what will bring people into the church. They'll see something different in us and want to know more about it, and so they will come to us. And it was so refreshing (laughs) to think about the church's identity not being about, here's what we're not, here's the things that we don't do, don't be like those people. But instead, the church's identity is about this is who we are. This is how we live. This is how we follow the gospel. And let that be what what draws people in. Yeah, I think it is an important approach uh, that we are giving them. We are here. We are doing no harm to them. And we are here to uh, help you and wanting to become a friend to you. And, and real friend, true friend. We would like to uh, make a relationship with you and develop that relationship and maintain that good relationship with you. And it is both good uh, each side. We, we want to give a such impression to those people who have not experienced God's grace yet. That sounds so biblical. It yeah. sounds so first century Christianity. That they'll know we're Christians by our love. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what Jesus did uh, for uh, God's people there in Israel. Um, well, um, for clean water project, for example, you know we have seen people are suffering from uh, waterborne diseases in wet season in Cambodia. So with the clean water, we are actually helping uh, women's hygiene. And we are actually helping 
uh, children and protect children and family members with a safe drinking water. And that makes a positive difference in the community. And then they are talking about uh, what we have done and curious about what we believe eventually. And that's what we uh, that's what we want. That's the approach, the indirect approach. That's one thing that first struck me about your heart, Andrew, uh, when we were meeting that day in my living room was how much you cared for the people that you serve and that you live with, that that is your community. Andrew, can you remember a moment where you felt that feeling of this is home. This is home for, for me. This is home for my family. We've talked a lot in some previous episodes about invitation and what it means for missionaries to be invited into the community where they're serving. So I'm just curious. It's clear that you you are totally in love with Cambodia and the people there. So I'm just wondering if there was a, was there a moment when that all kind of clicked and you just felt like this is it. This is where we're supposed to be. Well, that's uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, when you are sick, you, you feel lonely, right? <laughs> that's natural. <laughs> In this season of my life, last year and this year, I've been sick uh, with various uh, things uh, physically. Uh, well, one, one, of, uh, one of the things was, uh, you know, shingles and uh-huh. you know blisters and uh, mm-hmm. rash around my chest oh it was horrible and i had such a hard time to recover myself um and uh, last week and this week i'm going through the seasonal flu here and this headache is always stay in my mind for the last couple of days um even so i was not that lonely this time because, you know, my Cambodian friends, they know my condition and eagerly and faithfully praying for me. I know even this, this morning from eight o'clock uh, to nine o'clock, they are having uh, morning devotion and they are praying for me. I know. And also during the lunchtime, you know, I don't want to pass uh, any virus or germs to my staff members in this office. Uh, so I just close my uh, office door and eat myself. And they, they come in with, you know, handmade, um, you know, Cambodian soup. Oh, it's mm-hmm. wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's all kinds of, uh, you know, herb and Cambodian spices in it. And if you, uh, you know, sip it, then, oh, just, it is, it is a grace. Uh, my, my body can tell, oh, I, I will, I will be fine. I'll be fine. I love that. And both, both things, you know, prayers and, uh, you know, supporting me and taking care of me in tangible way. I'm, I'm learning and they are teaching me that I'm in the right place and uh, they love me and I also do love them. And the Cambodia is my home. That's a beautiful story, Andrew. And I found myself relating to you completely. And this has nothing to do with our podcast, but I often refer to myself as a missionary from North Carolina serving in Louisiana. And the first time 
I felt really at home was was last year. Uh-huh. Um, I felt like this was home. I, I was so sick for the year and and had surgery and was at home for several months. Uh-huh. And I really felt like this is home. Okay, these are people that I love so much and I'm at home. You're exactly right, Andrew. When you're sick and your community surrounds you, suddenly that makes a a jump into the next stage of the relationship that you they come together and care for you and make them make you feel like one of their own. Exactly. When you are sick, you would know uh, if you are standing on the right place, living in the right place or not. <laughs> we had a we heard a story in one of our earlier interviews about a missionary family who uh, early on in their experience one of their children got really really sick and how the community just totally embraced this family and this child and and how that was kind of part of their being welcomed into the community so it's interesting how that is sort of a marker maybe of belonging in a place whether we're from that place or not is in a time of crisis the way that the community responds to our being there I'm so grateful that that was your experience, Andrew, as you went through the challenges that you've been through, uh, that you felt like you were in a place where you were being loved by them just as much as you loved them. Hey, Ashley, I know that 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 last little section there, what Andrew was talking about, sort of speaks to you personally do you want to do you want to share a little bit more about what your your experience was um with some of the stuff that you had going on just within the last year or so i think it's a beautiful thing to see relationships really become mutual like andrew was talking about it, as a pastor as a missionary you spend so much time pouring into your congregation pouring into your community um And very rarely do you allow others to pour back into you because you see that as I am called to be a shepherd, I'm called to be a missionary, I'm called to be this leader. And so my job is to bless you and to help you and to love you. So last year when when I went through, it was a lot. We had the new senior pastor on board and he was away for uh, three or four months because he was doing his uh, training with the army chaplaincy. And so I was in charge of the church for that whole summer. And so there was a lot going on. I was preaching every week. I was trying to just hold everything together at First Methodist. And and then I got a cancer diagnosis. So I'd been feeling poorly through the whole summer, trying to hold it together, trying to be a leader, trying to do everything I could to to hold this congregation, this flock together. And then I get one of the worst diagnoses you could get. And at that moment, when I was finally able to be vulnerable to my congregation, to my flock, and to tell them what was going on, this this overwhelming blessing came back from them. As Andrew was talking about, the, they kept showing up with soup. They kept showing up with uh, caretaking. They kept just showing up. That's what my church did for me. They came. They showed up. They sat with my husband while I was in surgery. They brought so much food to our house. And it was a horrible surgery of, of so many months. You know, I'm a little active. I like to go, go, go and be on an airplane and hop countries like everyone else uh, just drives over to the next city. But I, I had to sit still. 
I had to sit still and be. And I was so thankful for the church that came and loved me through it. They loved me through this identity crisis. They loved me through healing and they loved me through restoration. And now we've come out on the other side of it so much stronger because we've depended on each other. It's not just me being a one-way leader and missionary blessing the church. It's that they also have come into my life and bless me so much. Well, I hope that by this point, if anyone was under the impression that this podcast is about foreign missions, uh, I hope that they're they're getting beyond that and starting to see how these relationships that we're talking about, while we may talk about them often in the the foreign mission relationship context, what is true about those relationships is true no matter where they're happening, whether they're happening from one side of the planet to the other or whether they're happening from one side of your town to the other. And uh, I'm thankful that your church reciprocated how you have poured into them for so long by pouring back into you and you needed it. Another thing that he he talked about already that I just I really enjoyed hearing come from him was the way that he talks about how the the local churches in Cambodia are reaching out into communities through friendship. Um, he calls it indirect evangelism. And I love that, that it's not, they're not going in, you know, banging drums and clanging cymbals and making a bunch of noise and flashing lights and all that kind of stuff. They're just offering friendship to the people. And then looking at different ways that maybe they can take on some projects that are good for the community, but after they are friends. It's always good to hear the things that are important to you and I, it's great to hear those coming from other people because to me, that's sort of an affirmation that we're, we're on to something. We're heading in the right direction. Well, it's something you've said a lot recently and just yours and my interactions have been that the action is a result of the relationship, not the relationship is a result from the action. So when we go into communities, when we're in our church, everything starts with a relationship. Everything starts because we genuinely care about those who are around us. And out of that, if a mutual action can develop, great. But what really matters is our relationships with each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to get back to this interview now. I hope that one of the things people will pay special attention to as you listen to the next little bit is how the the kinds of projects that they are working on in the different communities where they're working as friends with people, they're being mindful that the community will be able to sustain the project long term. So they're not creating these relationships of dependency that we've seen over and over again that are unhealthy and that, you know, after a year or two or whatever of whether it's a water system or a solar system or a whatever system, when something goes wrong, nobody knows what to do. But from the very beginning, they're approaching it in such a way that the local community has ownership of the project, which I think is, it's great that they're taking that into account from the very beginning. 
Um, and he mentions the relationship between supporting churches and local churches and how the local churches are grateful for the help of the supporting churches and the supporting churches are thankful for the local leadership, which is just, that's exactly how it should be. That's what these kinds of relationships should look like. I love it, Will. Let's get back to Andrew. You want to switch gears now and talk a little bit about mission partnership and what that looks like? That's been a a really uh, big topic for Will and I with several of our other uh, guests on the podcast about what does partnership look like with for you? What does a good partnership between you and your supporting churches and the church in Cambodia, what does that look like? And um, what does that personally mean to you? What does the word partnership mean for you? Well, if I share my experience on that topic, good relationship and partnership between uh, supporting church and the churches in Cambodia, and me as a mission agency well i I, i'm thinking of two things first effective communication uh secondly each entity uh, should do their job uh, continuously and faithfully (laughs) that's that's yes (laughs) that's that's what i have experienced you know for example you know i shared with you a water a clean water project well with the generous donation of u.s churches we started this uh, water filter and the clean water project uh, from 2021 last year and we provided wells and filters to local churches and people around uh, who are living Uh, around uh, the churches. So for this project, donor, you know, churches in the States, uh, they do fundraising and they send money to me as a mission uh, mission agency. And I, as a mission agency, contact with MCC, Methodist Church Pastors, and we do survey uh, together uh, for uh, villages in need. Uh, and we ask for uh, participants, local participants' uh, contribution, at least 30% of the whole project, so that uh, they may have a sense of uh, ownership of this project and also leadership for this project. Uh, we, we are doing this intentionally because when when it happens, well, when when they need the spare part, or uh, when the water fil- water filter broke, or the mo- motor uh, power motor generated well is broken, they have ownership and they get the parts from the market and they fix them the, for for themselves. Yeah, instead of calling us, oh Andrew, uh, Pastor Andrew, please come and check this out. We need your help. No. We want them to take the uh, initial ownership of this project. That's why we are asking uh, the local contribution, at least 30%. So in the meantime, and until the end of project, all three entities can communicate each other through media like Facebook, website with pictures and uh, videos uh, uploaded to uh, to, to the media. Uh, along with the stories, and we communicate each other. 
as a result, last year, last year and this year, we were able to offer 60 wells and 150 uh, water filters for those people who are in need. It was a success uh, story for us. Local people, uh, they are so thankful for the donor churches and their uh, continuous support. And, uh, you know, donor churches also thankful for what has been done in local leadership. And I, uh, as a middle person and mission agency, I'm thankful also for being uh, the middle person and the bridge role and uh, the channel of God's grace. Uh, therefore, uh, two things is needed, I, I believe. Effective communication, critical. And also, uh, we have to do our job faithfully and continuously. Ongoing good work of each entity is very important. Well, yeah. So do you see yourself as the conduit between maybe churches around the world and the churches in Cambodia? So you are the connector, the piece that goes between them to help facilitate the relationship, to keep it ongoing to help facilitate that communication, to help with cultural differences if, if that's needed. Is that your, one of your main responsibilities? I believe so. It is my, my role to, uh, to become a bridge between two entities and communicate them effectively and create the media uh, so that each entity uh, would be eventually happy uh, with what we are doing together. I love that. I love a connector. So it, it is a haul from the United States to Cambodia. I think it took me three days to get there uh, when I went. And, and I can see how that might inhibit some teams of volunteers from actually traveling to Cambodia. Do you know, Andrew, in a normal non-pandemic year about how many groups were coming from the u.s um, groups from partner churches who were coming to spend time with the churches in these communities that they were doing the kind of work that you're talking about we used to have a six to eight uh, mission teams uh, each year our team hosted almost one team every two months uh -huh. um, they, when they come, they uh, were able to uh, explore and experience the actual mission with their senses. Like uh, they were able to smell the local setting and listen to the voices of local people, hold their hands and hug them. They were able to do uh, the, the mission you know, come and see mission. Uh, however, during the pandemic, it's a total different story. Fortunately, I'm communicating with uh, some uh, supporting churches in the States that are quite interested in coming to Cambodia later part of this year or the early part of next year. Good, good. I love the fact that when you talk about what they come to experience, you never mentioned work. <laughs> you didn't mention them doing anything. What you talked about that, that is so important is that they just come and experience 
Cambodia and and spend time with their brothers and sisters and uh, you know worship together and pray together and fellowship with one another and I think that's that's fantastic that's that's the focus right the most uh, important part of uh, the VIM team being here is to simply share the gospel uh, you know the love of God uh, with them and making a connection to them. And the local people would like to listen to uh, what's going on outside of this country and how God works in Louisiana, Costa Rica, and other places of the world. They like to listen to people's testimony. So both times I went, uh, we worked in a little community called Kampong Tom, and we were building a two-story dorm facility for high school aged girls to live in so that they could stay in school. It was sort of a centrally located high school in the middle of a rural area that drew kids from from all over. And it was kind of dangerous for young girls, especially to be commuting back and forth to school. So the church property, which was really nearby, they felt like would be a good place to create housing for these students. Can you talk about why or why it's so important for the church in Cambodia to be focusing on education for young people? Well, we focus on educational support because we believe it is the, it is the key to break the chain of poverty and also upgrade the life here in this country. Uh, That's the good way and the fastest way to uh, break this uh, circle of poverty here. That's why we pour our resources, limited resources, on uh, on this support, education support. We are currently supporting 102 uh, students, uh, ranging from kindergarten all the way up to college level. And... Uh, most of them are women because uh, women in Cambodia, unfortunately, they do not have privilege to go up to gain the, um, the higher level of education. If, if you have an uh, older brother uh, and um, brothers uh, in, in, you know, in your family, uh, they will be the first choice to go up to uh, the higher level of education uh, so that they can graduate and uh, make money and support the family. However, uh, it is important to be uh, socially balanced in the church and in the community. Gender balance is critical. What is the most exciting thing happening in the Methodist Church in Cambodia right now? Methodist Church in Cambodia has grown in numbers. And by God's grace, uh, in 2018, we celebrated the Provisional Annual Conference of Methodist Church. Uh, It was the first happening in Methodist mission history that mission agencies are working together along with the local Methodists uh, to bring about the autonomous Methodist denomination. So now, MCC has 10 districts, 140 faith communities, with about 7,000 uh, church members. And um, with, the, uh, 
with the help of five Methodist mission agencies working together in Cambodia, uh, so far 60 elders have been produced and uh, lay preachers also have been produced. So uh, the church is on the right track. The denomination is on the right track to become uh, the annual conference. According to their master plan in 2027, we are anticipating that year. That's very exciting. Andrew, what's the one question that you wish that we had asked you? You guys covered pretty much everything. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Maybe challenges here. Um, challenges that that uh, I'm I'm facing uh, in the mission field. You're the second person that we didn't ask that question to who has said, "I wish you had asked me how challenging this was." Ashley, I think we should start asking people what's challenging about being in the mission field. So, Andrew, tell us about some of the challenges you face. Well. Um, it, it is a good thing that a Methodist church in Cambodia is, uh, is growing up. Well, it's like, um, you know, it's like John the Baptist. We must decrease and the church here must increase, right? Mm. So the side effect of this, as MCC is getting bigger and growing, we are in downsizing uh, right now. Uh, and when I came to Cambodia five years ago, I worked with seven different uh, UMC missionaries here, but now only three uh, missionaries are here. And uh, UMC uh, GBGM uh, doesn't have any intention to, to uh, send uh, additional uh, missionaries to Cambodia because uh, MCC is here. That's a challenging part for me. Uh, in terms of doing, you know, existing ministries here, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic time, fundraising. And uh, Helen and I and, you know, missionaries here, uh, we have to do the fundraising at, you know, almost the same level as uh, before. Uh, where seven missionaries work, work together. That's, that's a challenging part. But uh, we take it as a positive thing because uh, God has a plan uh, with uh, God's church here. So uh, as, as long as it is getting healthier, bigger, uh, and um, uh, growing, things will, uh, will, uh, will get better. And another thing that I'm facing here in the mission field is, well, change of the local mindset. I have found that it is very difficult to change the mindset of people that seems to think that they are not able to do things without the help from outsiders. Mm. You know, I am uh, in the position as a country uh, director here, uh, where a lot of people, local people, come and seek out to ask for help. And I'm not able to meet all their needs. And I try my best to encourage them to find, you know, resources and local, uh, you know, resources around them first. But this can seem like a rejection to uh, many people. 
along with the changing uh, times, I like to encourage uh, you know my friends, uh, th those local people, to learn to seek uh, you know resources within and around them instead of automatically seeking uh, outside help. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a, definitely a, a growing consensus that a lot of those historical models for mission relationships created unhealthy situations for local churches and relationships that were based on dependency. And obviously it's very wise on your part and on the church leaders there to start to try and move away from that and to be as self-sufficient as possible and create healthy models and look for partners who understand that, who understand what healthy partnership looks like but right can definitely understand how how challenging it would be to break out of that when that's what people are are used to and the way that it's always yeah, been done yeah yeah exactly that's what i'm um, looking for i that's what i uh, want to learn from other missionaries uh, experience their know-how and uh, the lessons from from the history, mission history. And uh, in that sense, uh, Will and actually you are doing a great job and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, learning uh, more of a healthy model and healthy uh, partnership between churches in the States and the churches in the mission field. And uh, thank you for doing this. Well, that's the goal here at the Broken Banquet Podcast. We're hoping to bring uh, people together to talk about missions so that we can all learn and grow together. So thank you for making time for us to talk on the Broken Banquet. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. We really, we know how busy you are and it was not easy getting everybody's schedules lined up. And we're so thankful that, that you made the effort to do it. And we're sorry that you've been under the weather and, and thank you for, for spending time with us, even though you had a headache. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Will for having me here today. All right, we'll see you. Bye, Bye Ashley. Bye, Andrew. Bye, I'll talk to you later. You've been listening to The Broken Banquet, a podcast by Will Bailey and Ashley Goad. Music provided by Irene and the Sleepers. Join us next week for another episode. He's prepared the table. All things are ready. Come to the feast.